good to be here. Shall we just pray again as we, as we start? Father, we just thank you that we can worship you. And thank you, Lord, that, uh, as Jane said, you do speak. And Lord, I believe that um, almost not quite stuck to the topic we're on, Lord. I believe you'll say other things, Lord, than what's said from the front. And I pray, Lord, this morning, your Holy Spirit will speak words that everyone needs to hear. Father God, perhaps uh, we might be a visitor. Uh, perhaps we may be new to the area, just coming for the first time. Or maybe, Lord, we're not quite even sure why we're here. Uh, or maybe we're just a regular who's been coming for years. Um, or we're a new Christian or an older Christian. Father God, I pray your Holy Spirit will speak the words that each of our hearts and our situations need to listen to this morning. Even if they're not on the topic I'm about to speak on. Father God, will you be over all of this? May your name be glorified. May your kingdom come. May your spirit move in power, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, before we do anything else, can I ask you to... Um, just turn to the person next to you, and if they're someone sitting on their own, just to turn to them. Just find someone sitting vaguely near you, and just shake their hand. Um, just so you it's not going to take very long. Just shake their hand. Um, that's good. So everyone doing that, that's good. Um, thank you. You haven't got to move around to it. Don't move around to it. It's not meant to be a long thing. Something a long thing. Um, now let me ask you a question. See, this is where I lose the crowd very easily. <laughs> um, so let me ask you a question. Uh, if you know the answer, don't, don't, it's a rhetorical question. Why did you shake someone's hand? Why on earth, um, in any given week, perhaps you uh, shake someone's hand. Maybe you might shake 50 hands in one week at work. You may think, oh, good. Uh, maybe once or twice if you sort of keep your distance. If you're germ-orientated, you may never shake anyone's hand. But you may shake, if you think, in any given week, maybe 50 times you might shake someone's hand. Why on earth do you do it? Uh, well, uh, let me give you the answer. It goes back to the time when we fought with swords, apparently. And apparently uh, you would strap your sword on your left side, obviously, because uh, where else would you put it? And, uh, and so, of course, this is how you'd get your sword out, wouldn't it, with your right hand. And so when you met someone, friend or foe, if you came in peace, you would shake their hand as a sign that you're not going to reach for your sword and they're not going to reach for their sword. Because everyone knows you can't get a sword out of your left hand. That's just silly, isn't it? So you know that you're quite safe. So when you shake someone's hand, actually what you're saying to them is, I come in peace and I'm your friend. And did you realize that? That's good. Let's do another one. Uh, there's three of these. So you might as well buckle down and get through it. Um, just uh, find someone near you and high five them. Just really quickly. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, oh man. It's going to get a lot worse, by the way. It's going to get a lot worse very quickly. Anyway, so that's good. It's good to high five. Anyone know why you high five the person? Any ideas? Well, let me tell you, uh, those of you who love baseball, I was going to say American baseball, but that's all it is, isn't it? No one else plays it except the Americans, bless them. Um, now, right back in the, I think it was the 60s, uh, Glenn Burke and Dusty Baker, I'm going somewhere with this, by the way. It's a very long introduction to a very small point, but never mind. Um, I'm halfway through it now. Glenn Burke and Dusty Baker played for the LA Dodgers, I think it was. And uh, as Dusty Baker... Uh, ran, completed his 30th home run, which is something of a record back then. As he ran round to the home plate, his friend Glenn Burke, Glenn Burke, I should say, uh, put his hand up to welcome his friend back. And as he ran towards it, Dusty Baker did the only thing a sensible grown-up does as he high-fived it. I gave him skin, I think that's right to say that. I gave him five, whatever it was, up top, and, uh, and he gave him a high-five. And thus was born, maybe, unless you Google it, and it would probably say it was somewhere else, the high-five. Uh, one more. Let's uh, find a person near you, and this time I'd like you to fist bump with them. Some of you really don't want to do it. Oh, God bless you, Maureen. Now, if you want, you could do this. You could do this, like that. If you really want, oh, come back. Uh, somebody come back quick. You can always, you can almost add a sound effect as well if you want. If you're really cool, you go. <laughs> but only the coolest amongst us can pull that off. I oh, can't be Maureen. 
<laughs> just me and her. Anyone know why you've just done that? Apart from the fact that you think, isn't it good, the guy up here is not coming back next week. Um, the reason you did that, a fist bump goes back to the 1800s, apparently. When before a boxing match, they would do that with their fists before they had a fight. Please don't punch the person next to you now you've done that. Unless you want to, but make sure you say that God loves you first and afterwards. And then you say you've forgiven them now you've got over your anger. I've got one more. Hands up. Oh, yeah, that's your hands up. <laughs> no, no, sorry, no, no, no. See ya. <laughs> Why don't you put your hand up? No, no. One more. Don't put your hand up. How many of us here, when we pray, end our prayers in the name of Jesus? Amen. Anybody? Yeah? Almost every single time I pray, I finish it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Ever ask yourself why? Ever thought to yourself, why do I do it? Except I've always done it that way. I was probably told when I was at the beginning of my Christian journey, that's a proper prayer. Amen kind of shortchanges God somehow. You're sort of just like a leaving early. Amen. But in the name of Jesus, amen. I've always been under the impression it sort of somehow gives my prayer a bit more gravitas, perhaps. But have you ever asked yourself, what's the significance of attaching that little formulate line in the name of Jesus, I pray this, or in the name of Jesus, my Savior, amen? Have you ever asked yourself, what's the significance of saying that? What does it do to my prayer by putting that bit on the end than if I don't put that bit on the end? What if you ever asked yourself that question? There's a song that we sing uh, that reminds us that there is power in the name of Jesus. And perhaps that's why we put that on the end of our prayers. In the name of Jesus. Amen. There's a song that we sing sometimes. Um, there is power in the name of Jesus. You unsurprised in the title. Um, there's a variety of songs that go by that. But we won't get into. But, uh, and it has the line. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Every chain, every chain. Repeats it three times. Uh, in the 90s there was a very well known song. There is power in the name of Jesus. And his name... No one? No, no. Good, three of us knew it. Good. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, we won't sing it, but it's, uh, there's lots of nice songs that remind us that there's power in the name of Jesus. And so, actually, uh, Jesus' name is powerful. I'm going to tell you a story which is an unusual story um, that perhaps just illustrates something of that. In a lake city in Florida, Jackie Hagler was hosting a party on Friday night. When a jewelry party on Friday night when a gun-wielding man entered her home and demanded money. But when Hagler led her friends in repeating the name Jesus over and over again, the alleged robber fled empty-handed. And it's a true story. According to the Lake City Police Department, Hagler was hosting a jewelry party when the alleged robber arrived, demanding that the women present put their money and phones in a black bag that he threw down on the table. The women initially refused... And when the alleged robber pulled out a gun, the 24-year-old Derek Lee pointed the gun at one of Hagler's friends. He had a gun, and Sharon, Hagler's friend, pushed the gun away and said, get that water pistol out of my face, the woman reported. When Lee argued that the gun was in fact real, Hagler said she could see fear in her friend's eyes. She, this is Jackie Hagler, felt a boldness come up all over her. And so Hagler stood up and shouted, get out of my house in the name of Jesus. Immediately the other women joined in and started shouting the name Jesus, according to police reports. Lee turned and ran out of the house, leaving empty-handed. Hagler said she saw a look of terror cross his face before he ran out of the house. Guest Donna Bowen was fearful. She was attending the party with her 14-year-old daughter, Juliana Register. 
how everybody reacted and all of you knew God's hand and how everybody reacted and all you knew God's hand was and he was there it could have gone all so differently but they knew God was with them that's an unusual story isn't it but perhaps illustrates something that there's power in the name of Jesus the, the Bible tells us over and over again that in the name of Jesus is powerful. God's Son, our King of Kings and Lord of Lords, is our powerful Saviour. And his name is above all names and powerful. In Acts chapter 4, shortly after Acts chapter 3, unsurprisingly, uh, Peter and uh, John had healed a beggar at a gate called Beautiful at the temple in Jerusalem. And they're dragged up before the Sanhedrin and they're being attacked. Well, who did you heal? How, how did you heal this person? What name did you heal this person in? How did you do this miraculous miracle at the temple? What happened? And this is their response from verse 7 of chapter 4 of the book of Acts. It says, They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? The healing of chapter 3. And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone that you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation, he goes on to say, is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note because these men had been with Jesus. Jesus' name literally means salvation or God's salvation. There is power in the name of Jesus, by the name of Christ, the name of Jesus, that the man was healed. And Peter and John were full of power because they believed and they acted in the name of Jesus. If you were to flip flip over to Philippians, that's hard to say, uh, chapter 2, verses 6 to 11, you would read Paul as he describes the majesty and the power of Christ. In these famous verses, we are told to have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul's writing there that this Jesus who humbled himself, who became a servant, who was nailed to a cross for our sin, who became our dirt, our brokenness, our wretchedness, is in fact now liberated from death, who's been lifted up to the highest height, that highest place is where? Up in heaven, at the right hand of the Father. The Bible tells us that after his resurrection, he was ascended to the right hand of God the Father. And that's where Jesus sits, waiting to return. He is at the highest place. His name, his name is higher than any other. There is power in his name because he is God of all. 
He is the second person of the Trinity, God the Son. And he is seated at the highest place, the conqueror of death, the defeater of evil, the defeater of Satan, no less. His name is above all, there is power in the name of Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse um, 9 to 11, Paul again writes uh, to the Corinthians who were, it's fair to say, all over the place uh, in their faith. He writes this, Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, or adulterers, nor men um, who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers would inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. Paul lists the various areas of sin that we get into. And then he says, but you're washed and you're sanctified through the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus' name is above every name. He is the name by which people can be saved. He is the name that cleanses all those when they're at their most dirty. Matthew 28, verses, verse 19, we're told to baptize people into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In John 14, the, verse, uh, the passage that Joe read for us early on, Jesus uh, says something very interesting about his name. He says from verse 13 and 14, it says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Acts chapter 3 that we've just read, the bit afterwards, that healing of the beggar by the beautiful gate in Jerusalem. He asks them for money. He's begging at that gate and he looks down at them. Peter and John look at the man and it says that he gave them his full attention expecting to get some money and Peter delivers the most wonderful line. It says, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. What an amazing thing to do. The apostles of Jesus Christ, the disciples of Jesus Christ have the privilege of walking into any situation and saying, I've got nothing to give you. But what I do have is the healing of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness in Jesus' name, everlasting life in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up, live, get up, walk, get up, be forgiven, whatever it might be. How wonderful it is to know that we can walk into any dark place and declare freedom in the name of Jesus Christ because there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 10, verse 17, Jesus says, sorry, Jesus had sent out, shall I say, um, 72 of his followers, sent them out to the surrounding areas to be like him, to put into practice all that they'd seen him say and do over the, over the last couple of years. And they came back, and it says in verse 17, the 72 returned with joy, And said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. The demons submit to us in the name of Jesus Christ. How amazing is that? That The demonic, the dark, the scary actually submits to us in the name of Jesus Christ. God's people ought not to be frightened of the prince of this world. Ought not to be frightened of the demonic or the dark when we attack in the name of Jesus Christ, they are frightened of us. And I want that power 
in my life. Do not want that power in your life. I want the power of the name of Jesus Christ to operate and be present in my life. I want to be the sort of Christian that lives day to day so that when I walk into that dark place, I'm able to say in the name of Jesus, get up. I'm able to say in the name of Jesus, here is eternal life. I want to be able to operate in the power of Jesus' name. But we've not really answered the question. Why do we end our prayers in the name of Jesus? Amen. When I was younger, my mum, we didn't have too much, I guess, and uh, and so chocolates and stuff in the evening was a a treat that didn't didn't always get. And uh, and by Thursday, I was ravenous, it's fair to say. And and I would be desperate for a penguin bar. And it makes me sound like I lived in a a sort of a somewhere really terrible, doesn't it? Um, It's just a different time, wasn't it? I didn't have access to tons of sweets like my children seem to have and everybody else in these days. But I'd say to my mum, Mum, can I have a penguin? And uh, no, it started like this actually. Mum, I'm I'm hungry. And my mum would make the same joke. I'm mum. I thought, thought, don't don't be sarcastic because you won't get anything. So I thought, and yeah, and then I'd say, can I have a penguin? I'm really hungry. And my mum would say the same thing. What's the magic word? And of course, for the first few years, I thought it was abracadabra, and I got nothing. But then I realised it was please. And so I'd say please. But then I realised it was important how I said the word please. So I, please, you know, a slight tear in my eye. Can I have a chocolate bar, please? And sometimes my mum would say, of course you can. And she'd get it for me, and I'd be very happy. And I'd learn next week to say it in the same way. And so when I come to my prayer life... Is that what in the name of Jesus, amen is? The spiritual version of the magic word? Is it a kind of a a magic formula we bang on the end of our prayer so that God definitely will answer this one? Is it a way of making God move because I've said it in just the right formulaic way without a bit of passion and a bit of oomph in my voice and God will listen if I say it in such a way? Is that what in the name of Jesus, amen is? Tottenham at the moment are in the Champions League. I should explain some of you support other teams. The Champions League is when a group of the best teams in each league meet and have their own competition. Some of you don't know what that is. I'll try and draw you a picture. Anyway, we're having a terrible time at the moment. And so if I was a sort of Christian that believed God uh, would answer a prayer about football, if I was to pray, Lord, let us win one of our Champions League games, please, in the name of Jesus, is he going to answer that prayer? Of course not. Because it isn't a magic word that you stick on the end of a prayer to get God to move. When we pray in the name of Jesus, what we're doing is praying with the authority of Christ. When we pray in the name of Jesus, amen, what we're doing is we're taking all those verses I've just read and we're saying, Lord, this is how we want to act. This is the sort of thing I'm asking for in line with Jesus. I'm standing and acting in his name for him, for you, for your kingdom that is coming, in your strength and in your power. I'm not tagging this on so that I can get what I want. I'm praying in the name of Jesus because only you can move, because I want your name to be glorified. I want you to move as I stand here representing you in this situation. We have ambassadors all over the world, don't we, from the United Kingdom. And uh, the ambassador from this country will go all over the world, whoever they are, he or she, and they will stand in various countries speaking to kings and presidents, and they will have a certain amount of power that is given to them on behalf of a king. They get to represent the king or the queen or a president, wherever they're from. And that ambassador is able to stand and say, in the name of this king... We want this to happen or we want that to happen. We want that to happen or not happen. And they speak with an authority because they're an ambassador of the king or the country they represent. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to 21, Paul describes us as ambassadors 
for Jesus Christ. And I came across a quote by a man named James Packer, you may have heard of. And I think he wrote this in 1986, so it's uh, slightly different linguistically wise. But he writes about Paul's verse that describes us as ambassadors for Christ. And he's wrote this, James Packer. Paul considered himself Christ's ambassador. What is an ambassador? He is an authorized representative of a sovereign. He speaks not on his own name but on behalf of the ruler whose deputy he is. And his whole duty and responsibility is to interpret that ruler's mind faithfully to those to whom he is sent. Paul used this term ambassador image twice, both in connection with his evangelistic work. Pray for me, he wrote from prison, that utterance may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak, it's Ephesians 6. He wrote also that God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So we are ambassadors for Christ, making his, God making his appeal through us. We beseech you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And then he writes this, Paul called himself an ambassador because he knew that when he proclaimed the gospel, facts and promises, and urged sinners to receive the reconciliation effected at Calvary, He was declaring Christ's message to the world. The figure of ambassadorship highlights the authority Paul had as representing his Lord. As long as he remained faithful to the terms of his commission and said neither less nor more than he'd been given to say. And that's us. When we use the name in the name of Jesus, what we're saying is I'm standing here representing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And as long as we do that, as long as we stand and we represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Laws, and we can expect the King of Kings and the Lord of Laws to move in power and majesty as we pray, as we move, and as we stand. And actually, when I use that term at the end of my prayers, sometimes it's a challenge and a reminder. Am I praying in line with the kingdom of God? Am I representing the King Jesus correctly in all that I do? Because when it comes to spiritual warfare that we've been speaking of over the last few weeks, when we try and fight the darkness in our own strength, using formulas and words, thinking that they're somehow going to release God's power, we can find ourselves coming unstuck. Let me read you a story in Acts chapter 19, in verse 13, Paul's been going around in Ephesus. He's been uh, delivering people from the demonic, and healings, all sorts of things. And people have watched and listened to the way Paul spoke in the name of Jesus. And they thought, oh, I'm going to copy that and see what we can do as we go around and serve and do things. So some Jews went around driving out evil spirits and they tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say in the name of Jesus, sorry, they would say in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Shiva, the chief Jewish priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you? And then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on and overpowered them and gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. It's a quite an intense story, but it reminds us that when we pray in the name of Jesus, it's not about just sticking something on the end and expecting God to do what I want. 
It's about reminding ourselves that we're ambassadors for the King of Kings. And the only way I can do anything effective, anything of any merit or any use for the coming kingdom of God, is when I truly represent my Saviour and my King and my God. 1 John chapter 5, verse 15, 14 to 15, says this about prayer. It says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have been, that we, sorry, and we know that we have what we asked of him. Perhaps I better read that again, sorry. This is, the, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. And John 14, Jesus gives us this amazing promise, this amazing word uh, about our own life, the lives we're supposed to leave after he goes back to heaven. In verse 12 of John chapter 14, it says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Have you ever pondered that verse? Does that mean we'll do things that Jesus would never ever have done? No. But it means that we'll do the kinds of things Jesus did, but to a much greater capacity, to a much greater level. There's more of us, so we can be out in the whole world driving out demonic spirits, darkness. We can be out there providing healings and preaching the gospel so that people will be free of their sin and their oppression. And so when we pray in the name of Jesus, it's when we act and live in line with who he is, acting and living like him, carrying on his work. And when we do that, we can expect mountains to move. A prayer simply that says the right words is no prayer at all. A prayer that does the right thing in faith can move mountains. And I wonder how many times as Christians we just say the right thing when actually we want something different. It's easy to pray, isn't it? My will be done. My saying your will be done. It's easy to say, Lord, let this happen because I really want it. Knowing that it's not at all similar to God's will or God's Um, coming kingdom we've talked about spiritual warfare the last few weeks and it's hard to talk about isn't it actually we're a bit it's all up there isn't it what what do we mean What what are we supposed to be doing how does it work we're often thinking just along what we can see and touch. You know, we, most of you are thinking about work tomorrow, perhaps, and thinking about the kids, or thinking about the thing you've got to get done when you get in. But I suppose the point of all of these last few weeks is that everything is under that authority of God. Everything is under God's kingdom, God's power, God's majesty. And there's a, a darkness that fights against everything we do. There's a darkness that seeks to drag all of us down. There's a darkness that seeks to uh, trap people and enslave them. And we see it in our own lives, we see it in other people's lives. Temptation, self-loathing, all the things that we've said over the last few weeks. And we see it, you see it in your own life. Doubts, fears, worries. That little voice that says, go back to where you were, it's safer. All those kinds of things. And I guess what I'm trying to say this morning is that we're not just people who have believed something. We're not just people that reckon there's a God and believe in his son and, and we even believe he's going to come back. We're not even people that know we've been forgiven of our sin. We're supposed to be a people of power. There are people that get to be like Christ. 
I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say that it's so easy to get wrapped up in religion. It's so easy to get wrapped up in the way we do things, the way we say things, and the way we act, the way we don't act. And sometimes we can even bash each other over the head with that. You don't look and sound like me, and you don't look and sound like me, and, we're, and you're not doing it right, and you're not doing it right. What matters is that actually we're rubbing shoulders with Jesus Christ in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What matters is that we're, we're coming face to face with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What matters is that we're seeing how he lived his life, the things he did when he came against injustice, when he came against people that were dead or broken or dying or just wrecked with guilt. How did he react? Because that's how I'm supposed to react. We've talked about spiritual warfare, and it's a very grand topic, but it really is quite simple. You're supposed to be like Christ in all you say and do. We're supposed to be like Christ in our individual lives. We're supposed to be fighting our own darkness in the name of Jesus. We're supposed to be living our lives at work with our families and fighting darkness in the name of Jesus because we're his ambassadors. We're meant to be swatting up on how he lived his life and in faith trying to live out exactly the same thing in everything we say and do. And in fact, what should happen when we think about fighting darkness and spiritual warfare is that we should be aiming that every single one of us looks and feels and sounds like Jesus the Christ. That when people meet us, they feel like they've even met perhaps someone who knows God intimately. That's how it's supposed to be. And we don't do that by saying the right phrases or living the right way or just attending the right things. We do it by knowing Christ intimately and personally and living like him every single day. And these last three weeks have been trying to say that, I think, at the heart of it. Because we put on the armor of God. We take our stand against the devil's temptations. We fight where he shouldn't be, which is everywhere. But we do it because we just want to be Christ's ambassadors. And we should be angry when there's any darkness anywhere. It should make us cross when we see people who can't let go of their guilt. We should think, how can you not be free? And I want to love you out of that. I want to tell you about the freedom in Christ. When we pass child poverty, when we see people that can't afford to put food on the table, it should wind us up with righteous anger, because this is not the light God is shining on this world. We should be like Christ in everything we say and do. And that's scary and terrifying, but this is who we're called to be, to fight the darkness in here and out there, and in here when it occasionally flashes up. And I think that's what I've been trying to say these last few weeks, that it's easy just to be a Christian, to live as a Christian, but we're called to fight as Christians as well. The devil doesn't win in the end. And he doesn't deserve any victories on the way to his defeat. And we are the ones who fight him. And so this week, go from this place and fight the good fight. Stand in the light and the power of Christ. And in the name of Jesus, declare the power of Jesus in every situation you find yourself in. If there's someone who is broken, ask if you can pray for them to be healed. Why not? If there's someone who is uh, in debt, ask God to give you the silver and gold to give to them. Why not? If there's someone who doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, ask for an opportunity to preach the gospel. Why not? If there's something in your own life that you have carried around for years and you cannot let go of it, this week say, Lord, I've had enough. Why not? Because we're meant to be free and we're meant to be strong and we're meant to change the world. I don't know what else to say. (laughs) So I'll stop talking. But we're going to sing. I'm going to pray in a moment, but we're going to sing two songs. 
And they're just going to come one after the other. We're not going to say anything in between. But I'm going to ask the uh, prayer team to come forward, um, wherever they are, um, just to come forward um, now, actually, um, if you're there, and just to be at the front. And, uh, and this front pew, just so the three of you know in advance, um, what we want you to do, we'd like you to do, is over the last four weeks, maybe something's been said that's challenged you. Maybe something's come home to you about your own battles with darkness. And you don't have to say what it is, but I want to encourage you in these two songs to actually get up from where you're sitting Half the church aren't here, so half the church won't see you do it. And come to the front, and one of these people who maybe, you need to make it obvious that you're the prayer team perhaps, um, will grab you and pray for you. You haven't got to say anything, you haven't got to say, this is my problem, this is what I'm struggling, unless you want to, it'll be confidential. But to actually respond. We talk about fighting darkness. You don't fight it by being still. You fight it by standing up and making a step forward. And maybe this morning you need to make a step forward. Maybe um, you've heard something about the devil and darkness and it scared you. Come forward. Pray with someone about that. Maybe you've got a burning desire to serve Jesus Christ better, more effectively, because you're fed up of not being a soldier. Well, come forward and let one of them pray with you. Maybe you're just tired of resisting temptation. I invite you to come forward in these two songs and be prayed for. And maybe just all of this has made you see life differently and you just want to make a stand. You're not sure how or where, but come forward. But so often it's easy to sit and watch other people make strides forward in their faith. I encourage you during these two songs to make those strides forward yourself. I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing. Father God, we just lift up, Lord, everything we've said these last four weeks. Father God, you know what we've all needed to hear. Lord, you know the message that every single one of us has needed to, to listen to. And, and Lord, maybe that message has not even been said with words. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would move, Lord, in every heart in this place. And Lord, as we sing, Father God, that uh, those who have been stirred by things that have been said the last couple of weeks, Lord, there will be that, that boldness to stand up and to come and receive prayer. Father, we believe that prayer is a weapon against darkness. So, Father God, this isn't just an exercise to finish your service. This is, Lord, going on the attack. Lord, we pray that you would answer our prayers, whatever they are, knowing what we're really saying. And, Lord, we thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and there is no other name except that of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Saviour, our King. Amen.